Well, good morning, Trace Church. How are we doing today, huh? All right, good morning. Well, my name is Corey. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm privileged to be able to bring the message here to you guys today. Last week, we started a series called New. All right, it's all about New Year, New You, and so we're going to be doing something new this morning. Maybe you've never had this happen before. What I want you to do is I want you to just raise your hand real quick. Okay, you volunteered now to preach the message. So Brad, come on up here today. And no, I'm just joking. This is not going to happen. All right, that's not, we're not going to go that new. All right, we're not going to go that new. But here's the deal: new. Uh, if you're anything like me, uh, I have kind of a, a, a like a love hate relationship with new. And this is what I mean by that. You see, I, we relish the idea of having a, a new year, right? Like something that come forward to, especially if like 2018 was just like trash, right? We we relish at having it, but. We don't quite know what's going to happen in the new year, right? And so because of the unknown, like new is still a little bit scary. Now, some of you guys like love the idea of, of having a new physical you. How many of you guys took us up on the D, D1 thing where you went over to the workout facility over here? Some of you guys did that. Yeah, we had several people go and do that. That's awesome, right? But that requires like new routines, new rhythms. It's hard work to accomplish new. Now, we, we love new. We love new cars and new toys and new phones. But, but new, with new comes different and transition and change, right? It's, it's not always quite as easy as we would like it to be. As a matter of fact, uh, recently I just got a, I got a new phone, all right? I switched carriers, got a new phone, super excited about this. <clears throat> and this phone is superior to my old phone in almost every way. But my old phone is familiar, you all have been there, right? You all have changed your, your phones before, and it's, it's hard because this is familiar. Even though this is better, this is familiar. And so in, in order to actually embrace the new, I've got to let the old go, which means letting go of the unfamiliar, and that's difficult sometimes. New is desirable, but it's not always easy, especially in the case of what we're actually going to be talking about today, which is, is becoming a new creation. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, flip them on, turn them on, whatever, to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'll let you guys get there. And while we do that, I'll give you a little bit of explanation about this particular passage. Uh, a guy named Paul is the one who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth that we're going to be taking a look at. And I've got lots of like favorite verses in Scripture, but this particular chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is one of my favorite chapters in all of the New Testament. Top to bottom, it just has some incredible stuff in it. Matter of fact, I would encourage you uh, as a neighboring group or maybe um, like by yourself or as a family to actually do this as part of your D1 study time this week. And D1 is simply where you take a chapter and out of that chapter you identify a verse and then you take a thought from that verse and you take a moment with God and then you share that one thing with somebody else. And that's our D1 study guide. This would be a great chapter to be able to dive into. But for, for our purposes today, we're going to be taking a look at two verses specifically, 15 and 17. So let's read that. I'm going to read that here for us. Okay, here we go. He died. Paul is speaking of Jesus. Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Other translations say it this way. Anyone who is in Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Now, if you've heard that verse before, it's easy to just kind of like pan over, skip over that. But, but I want you to pause just for a moment. Because this is a, an incredibly profound statement. You are a new creation. The old life has gone. The new life has come. 
Now, this happens to be a very common concept that Paul reiterates to several letters that he sends to these churches. It's to Ephesus and to, to Romans and to the Philippians and to the Galatians. And almost every single letter that he writes in some way, form, or fashion, he recreates this concept that he shares with these churches. But it's not just because it's an important idea. For Paul, it was part of his story. It was part of his testimony. Now, you see, Paul, he might possibly be one of the very best examples of this incredible transformation called a new creation. And for some of you guys, you know his story, you're familiar with it, but others of you, you have no clue who Paul is. So let me just give you a quick recap of who Paul is and why this happens to matter. You see, Paul, by his own admission, was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a, it was a law-abiding Jew. That's how he found his purpose, and that's, that's where he found his place. And what happened was is this thing called the way, these people who were following Jesus started to emerge. And so Paul made it his like chief focus to be able to eradicate, eradicate this thing called Christianity that started to spur on. And so he was this arrogant, self-righteous, angry man that was hell-bent on being able to destroy the start of Christianity. And he was going from city to city to make this thing happen, to imprison people and even to give credence to their death and, and for them to be stoned. This is who Paul was. Actually, his name was Saul at this time. But on his way to Damascus, one of these cities where he's going to persecute people from the way, he had an encounter with Jesus that would change the course of his life and, and, and for many of the, the churches that he writes to, their life, and for many of us that have read his word today, our life for all of eternity. You see, he had, he had this, this moment, this encounter that was in a new creation moment for him. He experienced Jesus in a way that changed everything for him. A matter of fact, that, that change was actually denoted by he changed his name from Saul to Paul. And for the first time, he was able to see clearly, though his eyes were actually temporarily blinded in this moment. His zeal was directed toward sharing the love of Jesus with others rather than stopping the spread of it. See, people that he would have never previously associated with actually became his target audience in this moment. No longer was his salvation based on his ability to obey the law, but instead it was his willingness to surrender to his Lord. He was no longer what he once was. The old man, Saul, had gone. The new man, Paul, had come. And that's what he wanted us to know. That's what he wanted these churches to know, that you are no longer what you once were. You are no longer what you once were. You are a new creation. In Christ, the old has gone, the new has come. That is the truth. That is our hope. This is what we want to be our reality. Now, if you're anything like me, and I believe that, that most of you are like the rest of us, like that's how it happens, I think that we all come to this place in time where we go, yes, Paul, I agree with you, I understand this, I am a new creation, I get it, but if I am a new creation, why in the world do I look so much like that old me that I used to be? Why do I think the same way and act the same way and react the same way? Why aren't I as kind why, why aren't I as patient? Why, why do I still give in to those sin struggles? Why, why do I think the worst of people still? Why am I not looking more like the new creation that you tell me that I am? Well, if that's you, if, if you happen to think that way or if you've been in that place before, there's good news. And here's the good news. Uh, this very guy, Paul, who has this incredible transformation story, he actually felt the same way that we do. And the very guy who wrote about being a new creation wrote these words as well. Take a listen to them. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. 
You see, Paul makes a distinction here. He's not talking about the new creation that he is. He's talking about this war, this struggle, the battles within him, the sinful nature that still exists, but, but the new creation that he wants to be. And he starts to talk about this, this sinful nature, and he says, I know nothing good lives in me in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Any of you all ever find yourself in that spot? Where the good that you want to do and the person that you want to be, it just it seems hidden. It just doesn't emerge. You keep reverting back to the old way of life. You see, new is great, but it's not always easy. You see, there is a worthy struggle that is necessary for being a new creation. And as I examine the words that Paul speaks here, and I've also been able to absorb this in my own life, I've, I've recognized that there are really two key parts to this equation of being a new creation it all starts with surrendering your life to jesus that's when you are available to be made new to be made a new creation but once you become a new creation there are two parts to this it's both the immediate condition and this everyday recognition an immediate condition and an everyday recognition that correlates to this being a new creation let me give you an example of of what i'm talking about Uh, see when when you come to christ when you surrender your life to him, when you turn over your keys to him, then what happens is you become included in Christ. And when you become included in Christ, what we're told is that we actually change. Our, our condition before God switches and changes. It, it, when you look at the New Testament, there are like a ton of different illustrations of how this actually occurs. I've written a few of them up here so that you guys can understand this. See, apart from Christ, we are actually a slave. But, but in Christ, we are considered a son or a daughter of Christ. That's what the cross does. It changes our condition between being a slave to being a son. You see, apart from Christ, we are an enemy of God, but in Christ, we become his friend. Apart from Christ, we are perishing, but in Christ, we are saved. You see, you once were dead in your sin, but now because of the cross, you are alive in Christ. You once were lost, but now you are found. You once were guilty, but because of the cross, you are now declared innocent. You once were a sinner apart from Christ. But in Christ, you stand a saint. That is the truth. That is the reality. That is your condition. But just because your condition has changed doesn't necessarily mean that the transformation is complete. And this is the difficulty. This is the thing that we wrestle with. This is the thing that we don't quite understand about ourselves. You see, you are no longer who you once were, but becoming something new is not easy. You see, there once was a young boy who lived in the slums outside of the palace of a great king. He and his family were poor and lacked a moral compass. His father had been imprisoned and his mother was neglectful. The young boy learned to fend for himself at a young age and became very good at taking advantage of others to get what he wanted. One day, while in the market, his skills of snatching food and items that he could sell were matched by a keen shopkeeper who caught him in the act of stealing and apprehended him. As was the custom, the thief was brought before the king to face judgment. The king sat in his seat and he asked that the young man come forward. A truth teller, I can do something with. A liar, I cannot. The king spoke firmly. Are you guilty of what you have been accused of? The boy, who had been accustomed to altering the truth to get out of sticky situations previously, looked directly into the king's eyes and for some reason... He was compelled to tell the truth. Yes, I stole not only from this shopkeeper, but also 
from others. At this, the king sat back in his throne. You deserve to be punished by the strictest letter of the law, to have your hands cut off and to be imprisoned for taking from others what is not yours. But I see something in you that you don't yet see. So instead of making you a prisoner, I am making you my son. You will no longer live in the streets, but in my palace. You will no longer have warrant or want, but rather be considered in every way my son and privileged to all that pertains. Now the boy, as you can imagine, was overwhelmed and moved to tears over the exchange of events. Months went by and all the kingdom had heard of the king's kindness. While the boy was extremely grateful, he found it harder than he had thought to embrace this new identity, this new way of life. One day, while he was walking through the marketplace, an urge came over him to take an item from a shop. Now, the item was of no particular significance, but the urge overcame him, and he stole it. There was a sense of exuberance that he hadn't felt in a long time, but then it followed by an even more intense sense of guilt. When he returned to the palace, his conviction won out, and he approached the king about what he had done. Great king, he said, I live in a different house. And I wear different clothes, but I'm still a thief. And he told the king of what he had done. The great king knelt down beside the boy and put his hand on his cheek. And he said, when I look at you, I don't see a miserable thief. I see my son. I see a prince. I see an heir to my throne. And I wonder, why is my son acting like a thief? You see, it may take a while for you to fully understand this, but you, my son, are no longer what you once were. Embrace the prince that you are, and then you'll start acting like it. This is a picture that hung in my brother's bedroom for years growing up. And I love this picture because it illustrates the struggle that we experience with becoming a new creation. It's something that we want. It's something that is true. It's something that is to be desired, but it is much difficult, much more difficult than most of us can imagine because we constantly go back to the old self. But Christ beckons us to break free, to become the very son and daughter of God that he has created us to be. And when you start to see yourself the way that God sees you, the very new creation that he has made you, it causes you to think differently about yourself. And my hunch is that, that Paul, he writes about being a new creation to other churches and in various ways, not only to share his story, but also as a way of continuing to embrace the new creation that he himself has become. And you'll see this. He writes to all these different churches in these different ways about this new creation. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. He, he talks about being a new creation, but he does it in a new way. Take a look at these words. He says, since then, we do not have an excuse of ignorance. You know who Jesus is. You know what he has done. You have studied his teaching. He says, everything, and I do mean everything, connected with that old way of life, it's got to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it, and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. You see, being a, a new creation not only affects how you think about yourself, it actually changes the way in which you interact with others. How, it makes you see people differently and think about them differently and treat people differently. 
It causes you to actually look more like Jesus to others because he is actually now fashioning you into his likeness. But you have to embrace it. Both the immediate condition and an everyday recognition that you are no longer who you once were. Uh, a little transparency. Um, this past week for me has been an extremely stressful week, an abnormally stressful week. And I don't know how you guys respond to stress, but my flesh fallback is, is this. Um, I, I become self-consumed and easily irritable. All right? Anybody else feel like that when you get really stressed out? All right, thank goodness I'm not alone. Okay, so I, like self-consumed and easily irritable, and I hate this about myself. But when I start to get like that, when I get stressed out, especially when it sneaks up on me like this, um, people become inconveniences, right? They become obstacles. They become something in the way of me getting stuff done. I hate that about myself. And I've interacted with some of you guys this past week, and you probably experienced that. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. But that is my flesh fall back. That is how I naturally respond. Not the new creation in me respond, but that's how I naturally respond. And that's where I got to this past week. Matter of fact, it was Wednesday. Uh, it was the end of the day, and it was an hour past the time that I told my wife that I was supposed to be home. And I get a phone call from her with, with crying kids on the other side of the phone, and her asking me where in the heck I am. She might not have used those words, but I don't know for sure. All right. Anyway, she, she's wondering where in the world I am. Now, I've got a dozen things to do, and I've got to get them done. And not, not the least, this message that I was, was already behind on this week. And I've got to put those things down, and I've got to rush home so, so that I can come home to a very angry wife, and rightfully so, as well as a bunch of crazy kids in my house, all right? So, so I'm heading home. I'm irritable. I'm self-consumed. I'm only thinking about myself. And I, and I hop in the car, and I, and I head down Austin Bluffs, and I'm, and I'm heading for this, this shortcut that I take because I hate stopping at Austin Bluffs and Academy during that time of day. It's crazy. And, and as I get to this particular intersection, I notice something. Rather, I notice someone. See, there's this elderly lady uh, with, a, uh, with a, like a walker, and she had a dog attached to the walker, and she's standing at this particular intersection, uh, this very busy intersection, and it doesn't look like she's making much progress. Now, being honest with you, my first inclination is this. I see her, but I'm late to my house, and I'm already in trouble. My wife is already angry. <laughs> Somebody else will probably take care of her. She's not actually in like my way, like she's in another lane. Like this, this would be difficult. This would be an obstacle. This would be an inconvenience for me. That is my initial reaction. But something in that moment, triggered that everyday recognition that I am a new creation. I am not who I once was. I don't have to succumb to that particular way of thinking, to that particular way of living. I can actually be able to see this person is more important than the place that I have to go. And so in that moment, Corey, because of the cross, this new creation, Corey, decided to forgo the flesh fallback, Corey, and I parked into this parking lot over here. And, and I got in my car, and I, I rushed across the intersection, and I came, and I, and I introduced myself to Gertrude and her dog. No lie, her name was Gertrude, all right? And I uh, found out she's like an 85-year-old German gal, and, and uh, I said, hey, do you need some help? And she's like, no, I got this. No, I'm just joking. She said, yeah, that would that'd be helpful. And so I walk her across the road and, and get her to the other side, and she thanks me, and she goes on her way. And I start walking back to my car. 
And here's the deal. I, I don't know if anybody else saw Gertrude at that moment. But on my way back to the car, four different people stopped, stopped me and they said, thank you for your kindness. I don't know if they saw Gertrude, but they saw a kind act done to Gertrude. And I didn't get to, in that moment, share with them about the love of Jesus, but I got to demonstrate a trace of the love of Jesus because I was willing to embrace the new creation that I am. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus recorded in Matthew when it says, So let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and turn and glorify God in heaven. You see, there was a time in my life where I literally would wake up every morning and, and I would recite these words from Galatians 2.20. By the way, another place that Paul writes about this new creations thing, but he writes it in a different way. And he, and he says this, and this is what I would, I would literally look in the mirror every morning. I would remind me of myself of this because too often I would forget it. And, and this is what I would say. My old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. So I live my life in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, I need to be reminded of that every single day, sometimes every single moment, because otherwise I'll fall back. I'll fall back into my old way of thinking, and I'll miss out on the opportunities to allow my new creation to point to the one who created me. You see, here at Trace, we are on mission to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. Matter of fact, we have this wall back here, this 10,000 traces wall that's, that's full of different accounts of ways in which you guys are leaving traces of love in other people's lives or ways in which other people have left traces of love in your life. And the way that that happens best is when you start to embrace the new creation that you are because you think differently about yourself and you think differently about others and it makes you look for those opportunities to express it. You know, as I was processing through this whole concept of being a new creation, a friend of mine continued to come back in my mind. And, uh, and, and the reason being is because over the past year and a half, he's just had this incredible transformation experience in his life. And so I, I texted him and I simply said, I, I said, hey, what does being a new creation mean to you? And he wrote me this text back and I wanted to, I wanted to read it to you because it is, it is incredibly inspiring to me and it may be for you as well. This is what he says. He says, I, I would have had a different answer for you if you would have asked me that last year. See, I used to think that the new creation is what is to come instead of something that is for this time. In death, I'd be made new. But now I, I think being made new is for this time. In my death, it will be made complete. You see, I am arrogant. When, when you feel like you can't be loved, you learn to love yourself and that left me alone and unrelatable. I am angry. I didn't ask to be brought into this world to be abused and abandoned and then be eternally judged for the aftermath that this caused in my life. I am judgmental. People like to highlight my brokenness as something so much worse than their own, and I don't mind showing people how they lie to themselves all the time about who they are. So I am an angry, arrogant, gay guy that likes to call people out on their hypocrisy. At least this is me without surrendering the parts of my life that hurt the most to Christ. Since I've given those things to him, I'm not angry anymore about the life that I've been given, but I love it. The weakness that I see in others has pain and brokenness behind it just, just the same way that mine did. 
And my need for self-promotion and love has given way to having a life fully available to others. I am a new creation. Not something that is to come, but for now. I used to think being made new would mean that I wouldn't have my struggles anymore, that God would just take them away, but that's not it at all. You see, it's God in our brokenness every day. And to my friend, I say to him, you are no longer what you once were. You are a new creation. Now, the reality is, is there are, are some of you that are here in this room, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You've turned the keys of your life over to him. You said, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. And you need to know today that you are a new creation. You are no longer what you once were, even though you feel like it, even though you revert back to it, even though you go back to the old person that you were, you are not that person anymore. And so I'm giving you permission today to stop being that, to actually be the very son and daughter of Christ that he's created you to be, to be the royalty that he has called upon you and to start acting like it. You are no longer a slave to your sin or your thoughts or your reactions or your actions or your past. The old is gone, the new has come. You have permission to be the new creation that God has given you the opportunity to be. Embrace it. For others of you, you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus. So you're still searching for that life that you've always wanted. And you showed up here today because you're not quite sure what it is that God is after, and you're not quite sure what it is that you're looking for. Well, I got news for you. Following Jesus is not easy. But there is a new creation on the other side of surrender. He wants to make you new. But you have to surrender to him. So I'm going to do something that may be new for some of you guys. It might be a little awkward. I'm going to conclude our time together today. I'm going to ask that you would actually close your eyes and you bow your head. And I'm going to speak to two different groups. And I'm just going to ask that you would identify yourself. Everybody's got their eyes closed. And nobody's going to be looking. It doesn't matter even if they are because it's between you and God. But there are some of you here today that fit in this first category. You would say that you are surrendered to Jesus, that you would be considered in Christ. You've given your life to him. But your life right now, and there might be areas, or it might be all of it, there are parts of your life that are not consistent with the new creation that he's made you to be. You still feel like your old self. If that happens to be you, I want you to raise your hand right now, because I would like to pray over you. Just keep your hand raised up. Nobody's going to be looking at you. I'm just going to pray over you. Father, oftentimes I find myself in this category. I forget who you have made me to be. And I pray that you would remind me, as well as all of these people with their hands up right now, that their condition before you has changed. They are no longer who they once were. Let them recognize that every single day. And I pray that it would change the way that they think about themselves and the way that they interact with others. And Father, the new creation that you have made them to be would shine well beyond the old person that they still struggle with. That is my prayer for these guys. And they know exactly what it is, the areas in their life that they need to surrender to you further. So I pray that they would do that this week. You can put your hands down. Keep your eyes closed. I'm going to speak to another audience. I'm going to speak to another group. Some of you guys have showed up here today and you have not yet turned the keys of your life over to Jesus and said, all right, I no longer live, but you live in me. And you've been looking for, you've been searching for what it is 
that you need to turn your life over to. And I'm here to tell you, to tell you that Jesus is worth it and that there is a new creation waiting on the other side of surrender. And so if that happens to be you today and you would like to take this initial step of surrender to Jesus so that he can make you new, I want you to raise your hand right now. Everybody else's eyes are closed. Raise your hand. I see you. And I see you as well. And I see you back in the back. If that is you, I want you to raise your hand and keep your hand raised. I'm going to pray over you, Father. You have sent your Son to us to die on a cross and to raise his life up again, not so that we can be the same old self, but so that we can be something brand new. And only you know what that happens to be in us. And so for those that have their hands raised right now, or maybe you've spoken to their heart and it's in their heart, even if their hand is not raised, Lord, I pray that you would cause that transformation to happen in this moment, an immediate condition change before you and them, that they are no longer an enemy. They are no longer a slave, but they are a son of yours. They are a daughter of yours, and that they would recognize that every day of their life from here on to eternity. Father, that is my prayer for these guys. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.